Check, check. All right, we're on. All right, so what we're going to do is we're going to go around the room, and we're going to ask you... Wait, stop. Be polite. Ladies and gentlemen, what you're about to listen to is an experiment in sound. Thank you all very much for letting us into your dressing room. We appreciate it. I'm Dan. This is David. We're Madcap DC. We talk to brilliant artists who come through DC. Um, we really respect the music you do. We'd like to go around and maybe get everybody's name and what instrument you play, and maybe what uh, football team you support. Well, what football? Yeah, football. Just in time for Mardi Gras, Madcap presents the Rebirth Brass Band. Laissez le bon temps rouler. My name is Keith Frazier. I play bass, drum, and cymbal. I'm a Cowboys fan. Vincent Broussard, saxophone player, sings. Ben Andrews, trumpet, the best team in the world. San Francisco 49ers. Chad Jagannery, trumpet, New Orleans Saints. Derek Tab, snare drum, San Francisco 49ers. Phil Freer, two extraordinary Saints. Greg Reveal's trombone player. I don't like football, but I'll take the Saints. Stafford A.G., the Ohio State. I'm st- <laughs> Saints. <laughs> Well, thank you very much. All right, we'd love to get like an origin story of this band. I mean, we know you got, yeah, origin story. (laughs) Did you really really think we said orgy? Are there orgy stories to be told? Oh, snap. If there are, don't hold them in, please. It's not going to be an orgy. It's a toga party. Origin. Yeah. Origin. Uh, the band was started in um, 1983 by my brother, Phil Frazier. Coming reference to some guys going to choose as Clark Senior High School. Um, they were asked to put a band together for a band parent. One of the band parents, like a booster parent for the band, to play at the uh, Sheraton, if I'm not mistaken, hotel. They couldn't play there because it was serving alcohol. Guys in the band decided to go down to Bourbon Street, play for tips, and here we are, almost 30 years later. It's a hustle, because we started out on the streets playing music for nothing, you know, putting a box out there. Nobody had to give us a dollar. They had to give us nothing. But we had to find a way to catch everybody's attention to get getting money in a bucket for us to be 30 years down the line doing this. And you guys are just getting badder and badder as the years go on. We're having fun right now. We're really starting to really appreciate each other as a family. I say, hey, dad, don't go nowhere. The Rebirth's on its way. I say, hey, dad, don't go nowhere. The Rebirth's here to stay. Hallelujah. Dad, don't go nowhere. The Rebirth's on its way. I say, hey, dad, don't go nowhere. The Rebirth's here to stay. And, you know, we were young. You know, when the band, you think of 30 years, you, you have different people that came into the band. You have different attitudes that go on with the band. You have different everything that you could possibly name when you're dealing with nine, ten people in, a, in one band traveling around the world doing this on, a, on an everyday basis. You have every problem that you could possibly come up with that didn't happen in 30 years, you know. So, you know, it, it, it's, it's nothing but, again, that power of, of the music that keep us going. Because if it, if it, it, it's the music that keep us coming back. The money, everybody thinks it's the money. Half the time, we, we might do something for free. 
do it for a little of money. Do it for enough money to go get us something to drink. <laughs> Have a good time. You know, it's, it's according to who it is. We ain't gonna do it for everybody. <laughs> if you want our family members and you're a close family member, <laughs> we might think about it. We might get a foursome. <laughs> a foursome. <laughs> The back royal kabuki. don't go nowhere. The hit us Hallelujah. When David and I stepped into the back dressing room at the Hamilton, we knew that we were in the presence of greatness. A Grammy-winning band that carries forward the great tradition of New Orleans music from the very birth of jazz in America. As it is written in the good book, Up from the Cradle of Jazz, New Orleans Music Since World War II, led by Philip Frazier's undulating lines on tuba, Rebirth discarded the sweet lyricism of the old standards for a grittier attack on the saxophones and trumpet. Rebirth's style turned on rhythms that ran like charging riffs, creating spaces for soloists who leaned heavily to scale patterns. Rebirth's root sound was the second line rhythm, the winding percussive backbeat that drives the dancers who engulf the bands in the street parades. We had previously arranged to interview the Rebirth brass band, but we did kind of bust in on them while they were eating, sitting around and joking, having side conversations. But we were very, very happy and honored that they took the time to speak to us ahead of their gig at the Hamilton in Washington, D.C. This is a band who's made their home at the legendary Maple Leaf Bar in New Orleans for the better part of 30 years. It was at the Maple Leaf Bar where this band was performing like they had done for so many nights. And who should walk in from off the street but legendary bass player for the Red Hot Chili Peppers, Flea. It's been a real pleasure playing for you this evening. Yes, it has. Yes, it has. And uh, we'd like to thank the Rebirth Brass Band for playing this evening and for coming all the way from New Orleans. And we are honored at this time of our show to have them come up and play with us. Our friends from New Orleans, Louisiana, the Rebirth Brass Band, coming on up to play. So, so how was uh, how was touring with Red Hot Chili Peppers? I think the Red Hot Chili Peppers, man. I don't want to hug the mic, bro, because so you got to get like those cats. Get some, yeah, no, we want to. I really think that they're the most professional cats in the in the industry right now. I've been around a lot of cats in the industry, and I, I'm sorry to tell a lot of you cats, y'all need to go and take a, a, a few tips from those cats. They gotta keep the opening act feeling like they're part of a family, and that's something that's very, very important because we nine black guys on the road with a rock band. Come on, let's be for real. How can we feel like family? And they made us feel like we were part of the family, and that's something that's huge. They, that's, they, they rock stars, man. What's a cat? Cat, cat can be anybody, from the guy in the gutter uh, to a lawyer, doctor, uh, the biggest man or the lowest man. But if he's in there with a good heart and enjoy the same music together, he's a cat. I, I saw when Flea went to go see you all, uh, and he was completely blown away. How amazing of a bassist is Flea, first of all? It's not, you know, when I, when you think about the Red Hot Chili Peppers, of course, 
you know, a lot of people, they automatically think about Anthony and Fleet. But those cats are like a real family and the way they vibe off each other, bro. They, they really enjoy everything that they do on their instruments. The cats are really into their craft, bro. They really cool cats, bro. They came and actually interact with us, you know, talk to them, talk to their crew. They made sure we had anything we needed. So it was like an awesome feeling, you know. <laughs> you know, that's how we do it, you know what I mean? They do it, they, they make sure we had everything throughout the way, even it, even as in like having a cold and everything. Like, I was sick, and this guy gave me some stuff, I cleared it up in one second. They had a whole MD and everything, so it was real It's the voice of the people, classical music, old men playing violins, little children singing Mary Had a Little Lamb out of tune, classical music, reggae, funk, punk rock, jazz, electronic music, techno music, weird underground music, pop music, all music. It's the voice of the people, it's the voice of God, it brings us all together. Every flavor of person on the world. When was the first time that you, that you all picked up your instruments that you all played? When was the first time that you all actually started playing them? Fourth grade. Fourth grade, too. Fourth grade. So my brother playing, so I decided I, I might want to do that, too. Was this an individual decision, or was it like... Individual. Individual? Yeah, individual decision. What type of music was being played in the homes that you grew up on? Like, it was family playing instruments and musical and stuff like that. Gospel. Gospel? Wake up! What, what, what particular gospel artist? Miss Millie? What you think of? What's his name for? I don't fool no waste time. No, Ron Cleveland, James Cleveland, Paul Martin, Shalom. Harry I want to know about the Maple Leaf Bar. I heard all kinds of stories about this place. I don't know when you tell those stories, man. Please do. You want to hear those stories? Yeah, I really, I really, yeah, that's what we came here for. To hear those. I just named a venue. I didn't. I wasn't trying to be too provocative. I was whatever you guys want to talk about. Tell you what, it's, it's, it's a bar. It's located in Uptown New Orleans, 8316 Oak Street. We've been playing there for almost 25 years, probably more. Uh, and anything goes, and everything goes, pretty much. What do you say? Is anything and everything goes. Anything and everything goes. I'm gonna leave it at that. And your money. It goes too. <laughs> <laughs> Last time you all were in D.C., you performed at the 930 Club, I believe. How was that show? 
great. Really great. It's a great, great show. show. Sold, Sold out. out. A lot of people from New Orleans who live in the D.C. area came out. Yeah. Locals who don't know anything about the band, they came out because they heard it was a pretty good band, and they came they came out. So it was a good show. You know, overall, we thought it was a great show. We had this one guy, uh, he plays with uh, Parliament. What's his name? Um, um, Rufus. 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 It's one guy who know named Rufus with a skunk cat. <laughs> He's a character, man. He came out. He's a DC character. We're gonna see him tonight. He might pass through. You never know. Is he on the guest list? No. He doesn't need. <laughs> he doesn't need guest list. Yeah. He come with his own in the hands that he playing. That's Rufus Roundtree, and we found him on YouTube of all places. He's a horn player from Baltimore who also goes by DJ357. And he's frontman of Rufus Roundtree and Duh, Be More Brass Factory. Here he is bigging up the rebirth at a club in Baltimore. Big shouts out to the Grammy Award winning Rebirth Brass Band. Hey, hey, I said big shots out. That means y'all make motherfucking noise. For the Grammy Award winning Rebirth Brass Band, New Orleans or Louisiana. They, those, those are my big brothers. They let me play with them. All right. <laughs> Hell yeah. <laughs> and the video is rolling. Shit. I want y'all to go down to New Orleans with me. But remember, on this particular day we in New Orleans, that's when <laughs> we was the... Division champions, and we was about to see another bet battle squad, and they had to turn the lights out on us and shit. Y'all remember that shit? But who still won the motherfucking game? Baltimore! This is Madcap with the Rebirth Brass Band. Right, so I want to talk here about some of the favorite places you guys have ever played, like around the world, around the country. Anywhere on the West Coast, you can drop me off. <laughs> Drop me off on the West Coast. I call it the best coast. Where? California, up Pacific Northwest? Where specifically? Where you like? Anywhere. Anywhere, in, anywhere <laughs> in Cali on the West Coast, I'm good. I love the weather. <laughs> I love the, the smell. And, the and I love the hospitality. <laughs> it's better than the South? Huh? It's better than the hospitality in the South? Yeah, yeah. Believe me it is. <laughs> Shelly said humble talent. <laughs> also, also the weather. I mean, what's, what's the temperature in New Orleans right now? I'm in Washington. I figured some, somebody will let y'all know. Let's go for the city. DC, DC crowd always show up and show out. They, this yes. crowd always got a lot of energy. So The Google yeah. scene. The, the, the Google, the Google seem really strong down here. Yeah. Yeah, great response. Yeah, just All about over. everywhere we go. It's like a lot of people that come to our shows, they done been in New Orleans several times. We done graduated several classes from Tulane, and when they go back to their, their state of wherever they live at, they bring their friends out, and, you know, so it's, it just feel like home anywhere we go. Oh, Let me hear you say, Rebirth! 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 Let me hear somebody scream. I think that Rebirth is a party, man. So you just come here to party. If you come here to party, you're gonna have a good time. And it, it, it all depends on what, what what you wanna do. You know, if you come there to stand against the wall and look stupid, then that's what you're gonna do. But if you come there to have a good time, you don't you, you don't come to see what we gonna do. When you come to a Rebirth show, you don't come to see us. We don't flip all over the floors and jump off and have pyros all over and blowing up stuff. No, 
We come there, we play our horns, and you have a good time, listen to good, good music, and have a, a whole lot of drinks, and think that the music sounds even better than what it sounds. <laughs> <laughs> Have you maintained contact with your first band teacher? Yes. Yeah. Mr. David Harris. Yeah, we like to talk about people who brought, you know, successful musicians to where they got to now. A few band directors we've had. Jerry McGowan. Um, different guys had different band directors. Um, David Harrison. Donald Richardson. Have you ever seen any of the, uh, have you ever seen Howard's marching band perform? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Extremely excellent. I mean, I, I was just trying to figure out if you all have ever performed. We used to the Jaguar. Grab State University. Okay. Yeah, shoot. Swag. Swag. Southwestern Athletic Conference. So we know about the marching bands, and most of the guys in the band, we all come from marching bands in high school, college. So we know what it's about. So yeah, we. Bandheads. Being a marching band in college and in high school is like having another full-time job. When you say? Yeah, pretty much. It's, it's a lot of work. Just be right. Don't get paid for it. Exactly, you don't get paid for it. We take bad serious in the South. <laughs> like, so, so how many hours, like, when school ends, how many hours do you think is dedicated? How many hours is dedicated to band? Three or four. Three or four? Yeah. Probably more than that. As a matter of fact, one one guy in our band, he has a band program for nine or twelve year olds, if I'm not mistaken. It's called Roots of Music, and they are very serious about their music and marching band. It's very serious. You would, you can Google it online, check it out. It's very when you see these kids, you be like, I mean, these kids are like high schoolers or college kids. You would be very impressed. What's it called again? It's called the Roots of Music. So check it out on YouTube. They they marched they marched at the uh, uh, tournament of Roses Parade this year. You would be very impressed with these very young kids. Very impressive. It's the founder right there. Is that right? This is CNN here. My name is Derry Tab, and I started a free music education program for the kids of New Orleans. Let's go, horns up. We do more than just teach music. We offer transportation, we offer instruments. I feed you so you're not hungry, right? Give you tutoring. Which one, eight times three? I call it the no excuse policy. You don't have no excuse while you're not here. You don't have to have any experience to press down on it, just like that. We meet it five days a week, year round. We're constantly learning something new, and that's what keeps the kids coming back every day. I was getting in trouble. Now, when I'm here, I practice. When I'm at home, I practice. It just changed my life. I love seeing kids happy, just having fun. This is based in New Orleans? Yeah, right now it's based in New Orleans. Uh, it's basically an uh, anti-crime anti -crime program because we're dealing with a lot of crime in New Orleans, and just basically to give kids something to do because uh, we're finding that after Katrina that, you know, we hate to keep bringing up Katrina, but it, it's such a big part of our life that destroyed a big part of our life. You know, so a lot of things that we did before Katrina that we just don't have the the, the, the sources to it anymore. We don't have the family-oriented oriented places or communities like we used to have 
more families are divided, living in different parts of the city, different parts of the world. So you have kids that's really don't have that don't 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 have the family structure that they used to have before and was used to. So you have kids that's not doing the things that they used to doing. So you had you disrupted their whole life. So you had to find a way to giving them a way to feel in like they have a sense of you know stability. So we started the program to give them a, a central location and also use it as a crime prevention by having kids from all over the city come to one neutral spot and be more friends, start off as friends and start off as enemies. You know, a lot of times kids use the different parts of the city as territory. So they start off as enemies in that, in that sense. If you reverse it and start it off as friends, then maybe you can curve some of the violence that's going on. because there was a concert earlier on this stage today with Palestinian and Israeli kids doing exactly the same thing, trying to keep the music as the binding force between people who live very close together and shouldn't be fighting, really. Yeah, you know, you're going to have some arguments and, and, and some gripes about different things, but I just think that we have to find a common ground on teaching, you know, how to deal with these problems that, you know, kids occur. Right now, they're, they're, a lot of people don't understand that by, by us more, working more, and not being in kids' lives as much as we need to be in their lives, they're learning a lot of stuff on their own. And by the computer and the internet and everything else is, is teaching our kids. And they're just doing what they see on the internet and you know on the TV. So they're acting out off, off of what they see and not being explained the consequences to what they're doing and understanding that there are consequences to everything that you do. And you know we, we have to get back in those kids' lives and really start enforcing these rules and regulations, giving them morals and values. Well, I'm gonna try and go out for president or mayor because I believe I would change New Orleans. I would tell people, stop making jails for children and for, you know, for other, for um, little children. It's, they need to start making more schools. Yeah, more roots and music. They need to start making less, less jail houses and more schools. Today in New Orleans, like, everything was popping. I mean, uh, before Katrina, everything was popping. All, they had middle school bands, you know, all high school bands, and now they changed the school systems to where, you know, the music ain't there no more. It's not there no more, and it's a beautiful thing that this program has been started because you never know. This music may save these kids' lives, man. And I'm talking about from experience, it really, really saved my life. I second that motion. Yeah. And I third it. <laughs> <laughs> kind of hear it in the music that you guys play that it really is about it's a music that's about life I mean it's about partying but you know it's amazing about New Orleans music is like you can play the saddest song on the way to the funeral and then on the way back from the funeral it's the most joyous song you've ever heard so I think music is an expression and, and a lot of people take expression sometimes the wrong way and too personal you know it's an expression this is how I feel at the time you know, sometimes it, it may not be how you feel. 
you know, but sometimes I can't control how you feel off of how I feel, you know, and a lot of people don't understand that. That's that's a that's a huge control that you may have and a lot of power to have, you know, sometimes that if used the wrong way could be very damaging, dangerous. This is like respecting the power of music as well. You have to respect the power of music because you're saying, when you say you come to see the rebirth, if we if we can't control you the way you're having a good time, you're not going to come back. So our job is to look around the crowd and make sure everybody having a good time. So I saw an interview on YouTube and you said that for, for blacks that haven't seen uh, the show, These Are the Sounds of Africa, takes you to Africa. Can you please elaborate on that? You know, Africans from Africa, they went all over the United States, you know, through the transatlantic slave trade, right through South America, right through the Caribbean, right up to New Orleans, from New Orleans, West Coast, East Coast. And for the sound of New Orleans, especially the sound of the brass bands, to still be, have that sound of Africa in it, it's amazing because if you are an African, if you have any ounce of blood of Africa in you, the first note you know where it's from. You, no one has to tell you, like, this is truly from the mother country. You just feel it. That connection is still there. I don't care if you're in Timbuktu or if you're in Iowa. When you hear that first sound, you know what it's about. That's what we mean, like we vibe off the crowd. We don't have to say, hey, this is party music. You know it's party music. This is not something you're gonna sit down and analyze. If you sit down analyzing, something must be wrong with you. So, yeah, you really, you you listening to the wrong band. So when someone hires a rebirth, they know what they get into. Just like, like we thought you guys want to do a lot of like stuff like like no, you know what you're getting into. You hired, I'm, I want rebirth. You know what's about to happen. It's about to be straight buck wild. Anything goes. Yeah. We went to a wedding. I'm talking about the wedding was beautiful. I'm talking the guy had to rent a whole golf co uh, golf course. Man, it was beautiful. Dude, we got up there, had us all dressed up. We came to dressed up something that we never do, barely. And the guy was like, man, I, I want Rebirth, yeah? <laughs> we are like, with this Rebirth? He was like, no, I'm, I'm the uh, groom. And I paid for Rebirth. I don't want none of that soft playing. So we got there, we, we thought, you know, he wanted us to play a little volume louder. So we played a light, our little metal, mellow songs, traditional. And he stopped everything. He was like, okay, we didn't have enough of that. I want Rebirth. And we turned the part out. Y'all remember that? You remember that? I gave my love a story that had no Sorry. They don't want. They want to. They want to have a party. Like, like I said, is when you come listen to the band, you can have anything. Anything wrong with you? Somebody been on got on your nerves, and it's gonna go right out the window. First song, you you're in a whole different frame of mind. Now, now you we don't took you from your depression to your upliftment. 
Now you you just having a party. Yeah. All right, we're about to get out of here. So anybody who wants a couple last words to say to uh, to DC, let them fly. Um, DC, we love you. <laughs> Rebirth Brass Band. Catch you at the 9:30. Catch you at the Hamilton. All over the world. Don't forget, log on to our website www.rebirthbrassband. We love you. Peace out. Right. Thank you guys Thank very you much. We really much. appreciate it. it. We really respect what you do. Thanks for coming to DC. Thank you so much. All right. Thank you so much. That was New Orleans' finest Rebirth Brass Band. You can find them on Twitter at RebirthBB and find much more information about the Rebirth, including tour dates, at their website, RebirthBrassBand.com. Special thanks go to Jenny and Danny from the Hamilton. Special thanks also must go to Howie for arranging this interview. We'd also like to thank Jess, Joe's Record Paradise, and the good people at the Hood College Library. (laughs) All right, all right. As you all know, next week is Mardi Gras, which begins the period of Lent. Lent ends with Easter, which is, of course, the time when we would celebrate the rebirth of Jesus Christ himself. And we are speaking with Rebirth Brass Band. What a coincidence. Oh, that wasn't a coincidence. We planned the whole thing out. That was New Orleans' finest Rebirth Brass Band. And now, we present the official Madcap Academy Awards preview. I haven't had an orthodox career, and I've wanted more than anything to have your respect. The first time I didn't feel it, but this time I feel it, and I can't deny the fact that you like me right now. You like me! David, you know what's coming up this Sunday? Hell yeah, the Oscars. But how do we make some money on this? How do we get this money? (laughs) I'll tell you how we get this money, David. Did you know that we can bet on the Oscars? Well, we can't because we're American citizens. But the fine folks over at Ladbrokes in London have released their betting lines for the big categories at the Oscars. And that is how we're going to break down this conversation. The Britons. (laughs) That's amazing. Here with us in the studio, David, we have two honored guests. On my left, Jason Fraley, an MFA in film from American University and the film critic for WTOP. Jason, welcome to Madcap. Thanks for having me, guys. And further to his left, production professional on various film and video projects here in the D.C. area and host of Channel 2 Radio, a podcast about film and video. Adrian Spencer, welcome yourself to Madcap. Hey, and an amazing dancer. Oh, my God. And an amazing dance. Any of you who have ever been graced by the presence of Adrian Spencer on the dance floor will know that David speaks the truth. I, I think those <laughs> skills will really translate well to radio. <laughs> <laughs> they will. Absolutely. He's got now, feet for radio. <laughs> I, I have been in a mad dash to finish watching 
all of the most nominated films for this conversation. And we're going to start off this conversation with discussion of Best Director. Alfonso Cuaron is the runaway favorite for his work on Gravity at 1 to 25 odds. David, that means you have to put up $25 to win a single buck on that bet. Steve McQueen for 12 Years a Slave is next. David O. Russell for American Hustle. Martin Scorsese, the grand old man at Wolf of Wall Street's helm. And Nebraska's director, Alexander Payne. We will begin with Jason Fraley. Jason, which director do you think will win? Which director do you think should win? Uh, this is one of the only categories here where my should win and will win are the same, and I think it's Alfonso Cuaron for Gravity. The movie overall is probably going to win mostly in technical categories, special effects and things like that. Maybe original score had a great score. But I think Alfonso Cuaron totally revolutionized what you can do with the cinematic language in 3D. If he does win, it'll be the second in a row, right? Because Ang Lee won for Life of Pi. Um, so I think 3D would almost become less of a gimmick like it's been in the past and more of a, oh, maybe some serious directing can go on here. Quran opens with, I can't remember exactly how long, but it's probably about like a 20 minute single take where mm-hmm. we're, we're not, we're, he's not cutting shot, shots, you know, it's just weaving in and out, beautifully choreographed. He moves seamlessly in and out of Sandra Bullock's space helmet. So we're kind of pushing up closely on her helmet. And the next thing we're inside in her POV going through her hyperventilating with her, you know? There's a moment when Sandra Bullock's 3D teardrop came off her face and started coming towards us at the screen, off the screen towards my eyes, and I said, well, finally, it's it's 3D being used as for the emotional core of the story, finally. It's not just uh, just things jumping out at you as a gimmick. So I think, I think he deserves it. Adrian Spencer, you have trashed the film Gravity, which <laughs> I saw and absolutely loved. Do you think and do you believe that Alfonso Cuaron will win and deserves to win in this category? Despite not being the biggest fan of Gravity, and I would lay that squarely at the feet of one Miss Sandra Bullock, who I <laughs> don't really get at all. I don't see her appeal. Um, She's I, timeless. I t- <laughs> You kidding me? <laughs> I I totally agree that this is his trophy to win, with the caveat that if Steve McQueen won, I wouldn't go home crying. Absolutely. I think there's a lot of restraint in Twelve Years a Slave that a lot of lesser directors probably would have hit those emotional beats a little more squarely, where Steve McQueen kind of lets the movie breathe a little bit. There's some shots in in Twelve Years a Slave that are just you just look at them and you could take any frame of it and put it on your wall. It's beautifully shot. It's beautifully edited. There's just a lot of craftsmanship and art in 12 Years a Slave. Whereas I think with Gravity, it's a little flashier. It's a little more in your face. Koran really could do whatever he wanted to. He had the best visual effects people in the business, and he had complete mastery of the frame in the digital world, whereas Steve McQueen really had to craft his film with the performances and the way that he paints with light physically on the set, I, I think in many ways is harder to do than what Quran did, but what Quran did has never been done before and will probably never be equaled. And for that, I think the Oscar's his and rightfully so. If either of those two guys get it, I, I'd be happy if David or Russell got it. I'd put a shotgun in my mouth and Cobain myself. I, I just... What? We'll get to that later. Oh, yeah. um, so, so in would essence... You, would you do heroin too? <laughs> so You'd two, have to. Let's move on. <laughs> Best supporting actress, we have Lupita Nyong'o, 12 Years a Slave, Patsy, was her character. Yep. 
just a gripping, ripping performance. She is the favorite at four to six. Jennifer Lawrence comes in at the next favorite, American Hustle at five to four. Sally Hawkins in Blue Jasmine, 25 to one. June Squibb, who I absolutely loved in Nebraska, who does things like flash her aged cooch <laughs> to, the, to the grave of a man who once hit on her in a just an amazing scene. She's at 50 to one, and Julia Roberts at 50 to one, bringing up the pack in August Osage County. I thought she did a very good job in this in this film as well. But for my money, I mean, I'm very happy if Nyong'o wins. She's won all the rest of the important awards. Totally agree. And talk about ravishing. I mean, you see her on the red carpet this season. Like, she hasn't had a bad look ever. Like, she's just gorgeous. And so, anyway, setting aside that masculine um, horniness... Um, <laughs> You know who I really like in this category who doesn't have a shot, and the the win for her is being nominated, but June Squibb, I think, did a really great job and beautiful stuff in that movie. The movie Nebraska. Yeah, Nebraska, right. And and she really carries a lot of that movie. Uh, We'll get to it when we talk about the best actor, but that movie kind of confuses me on a number of levels. But (laughs) I really liked her performance in it. But Lupita is just, she's breathtaking in the movie and the what she does is just so it must have been emotionally grueling and just horrible to do god can you um, imagine but she doesn't it's she does beautiful work so i hope she wins i think lapita is my should win this her performance is crazy i mean a lot of people probably didn't know her before they went into this movie but after you walk out of that movie you won't you won't forget her mm-hmm. and so to me that's a great performance if you walk into the theater not knowing someone you walk out with them ingrained in your mind and then just handle this whole award season with grace yeah. um it was, it's just a great performance, and you're always pulling for that great new rising star, whereas yeah. Lawrence already kind of had that whole thing last year, so I want to see it go to someone else. But I'll agree with you on, on June Squibb. I thought she was the best part of Nebraska. That cemetery scene was classic. Here, here. Uh, let's go to Best Supporting Actor, where you have a runaway favorite here, Jared Leto for Dallas Buyers Club, yeah. Michael Fassbender for 12 Years a Slave. He pr- turned in a ridiculously evil uh, performance. Barkhad Abdi for Captain Phillips. I am the captain now at 16 to 1. Jonah Hill for The Wolf of Wall Street, who is much buzzed about, but not looking good in the Ladbrokes odds here at 66 to 1. And Bradley Cooper bringing up the rear at 100 to 1 for American Hustle and that wonderful curly wig that Mr. Cooper was sporting. My will win is what everyone's saying. Jared Leto is, is going to win. He, he took a brief hiatus from acting to pursue a little bit of a music career. Um, but I loved him back in Requiem for a Dream, um, the Darren Aronofsky movie. My um, so called life. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Don't forget that. Exactly. <laughs> Dynamite drop in. So uh, <laughs> so um, I've I've always known his talent, and if you watch the movie, he transforms into that role. It's not like a Some Like It Hot where it's, oh, he's clearly cross-dressing. You totally believe the role. That said, I would not have any problem with Michael Fassbender winning. To me, he reminded me of Ray Fiennes in Schindler's List, that Amon Golf character. Where, and there's, there's scenes where he's just casually leaning on his slaves' heads like their oh, fence posts. God. And it's you're just terrified of this guy. And then... What I actually am secretly kind of pulling for is I loved Barkat Abdi in that role. Just, yeah. again, the newcomer, uh-huh. former limo driver. To me, what I liked about him is it, it could have been, especially from the trailer when you see I'm the captain now, it seems like it could have been such an, you know, a cookie-cutter, xenophobic-type villain. But w- once you watch the movie... You're almost rooting for him as much as you are with Hank. It's called Captain Phillips, but it's almost like a, a tale of two captains. Um, ah, Dickens could have done it, right? I like um, that. Mm. But he, he, you almost find sympathy for him as like it's like desperation fueled by globalization with these Somali pirates. So I thought he pulled it off really well, but I think it'll be Leto. Paul Greengrass, who directed Captain Phillips, has this really unique knack for getting to the heart of villains and making them 
people. And Barkhad really got up to the plate and hit it out of the park with this role. It, he's really good in it. He has no chance of winning this award, though. It's yeah. absolutely Jared Leto's to uh, win. I would love it if Fassbender won. My wife and I have an agreement. He's on my cheat list. You know, <laughs> I have a big man crush on Michael Fassbender. His penis is extra large. I, you know, Bender, I think hardly newer. Well, let me ask you this. I mean, have have you this. seen Michael Fassbender in a bad performance? Has he ever given a bad performance? No, he's always excellent. And I think he's one of those actors that probably will never win an Oscar because he will always be taken for granted mm. because he is so good consistently roll in and roll out. Uh, Jared Leto's fine. I mean, he the fine. Kind of, That's what you can say about his performance. Fine. Yeah. I mean, in Entertainment Weekly, they have this breakdown of the Oscars and they ask people from different roles to kind of comment on the races and the actress who they don't name it's all anonymous but the actress said you know i think men just really like dressing up in <laughs> you know skirts and acting all girly and and that's oscar bait almost at this point and i i wouldn't agree necessarily with that statement but i i do think there's a little bit of theatricality and there's a little bit of playfulness in his role that does take away from me as the viewer from the reality of it uh, whereas I think with Michael Fassbender, I'm looking at a genuine human soul. And with Jared Leto, I'm looking more at a performance. And, and what I look for as a viewer is are those performances where you don't see the actor working. Uh, I look for that with directors. I look for that really with all the crafts, where if you don't see the work, that to me is the sign that they've done a really, really good job. And I get that more with Michael Fassbender than with Jared Leto. I, I see Jared Leto working more. This is Madcap. We are engaged in our Oscar preview right now with Adrian Spencer and Jason Fraley. We are now moving into the big three categories, the three that will attract the most attention on the Oscar telecast on Sunday. We will go now to Best Actress, where there is a huge favorite here, Kate Blanchett, for her role in Blue Jasmine. She comes in at a 1-25 to 25 favorite. Next up in the Best Actress category, Amy Adams for American Hustle, Sandra Bullock in Gravity at 25-1, to 1. Dame Judi Dench for the title role in Philomena at 33-1, to 1, a movie that I really liked and that Adrian actually worked on, and Meryl Streep in August Osage County and she is just amazing in that movie Jason we'll start with you who should win who will win uh, I think the, the odds are, are, are hard to go against here. Kate Blanchett seems to have all of the buzz. It was a great performance. To me, it was the best depiction of a slow spiral into madness since mm. Vivian Lee in Streetcar Named Desire and Gina Rollins back in A, a Woman Under the Influence, the John Cassavetes movie. Holy hyperbole, Batman. <laughs> <laughs> but that said, um, I'm not exactly pulling for. Her. I'm I'm rooting for an upset, but I don't think it's going to happen. Mostly because I didn't I didn't enjoy Blue Jasmine as much as some of Woody Allen's other movies. I thought it was a very middle of the road Woody Allen movie. Um, and I was actually going to interview for Woody Allen's uh, his biographers doing uh, doing a, a biography coming out in a couple years, and we were chatting the other day, and and he agreed that he just felt. I mean, we were just riffing on and on about how great Crimes and Misdemeanors is, and Annie Hall, and you know, Purple Rose of Cairo, Hannah and her sisters, and to me. Blue Jasmine, I guess the script too, it, to, to me it wasn't even as good of a script as Midnight in Paris. So I, while I admit it was a fine performance and she's going to take the Oscar just based on the odds, I'm secretly pulling for Amy Adams in the movie that you didn't like, <laughs> American Hustle. To me, she was just almost reminding me of like Kim Novak Vertigo in terms of that double persona where you're playing one, you know, she's playing her Edith Greensley, but then also her, her real life self and she puts the British accent on one, you know, a sexy role. You can't take her eyes off her 
while she's on the screen. Definitely I mean, a sexy role. Absolutely. I was just caught up in the whole thing with the you know with the dry cleaner clothes spinning around them, almost like a vertigo swirl. I think it's her turn. I think she's like been nominated like five times for the fighter and and the master. She was great in too. Right. Philip I, I would love it if Amy Adams won. I think she's the best part of that movie easily. She does. She's a lot of heavy lifting to do in that movie. Her necklines are awesome. <laughs> uh, <laughs> misogyny aside, she's really tremendously good in that movie. Mm-hmm. I agree with you about Kate Blanchett. Like, I watched Blue Jasmine and I'm like, I do not get it. I don't understand why there's all this buzz about it. I don't think it's a pimple on the ass of Midnight in Paris, let alone something like Hannah and Her Sisters or Manhattan or any of his better movies. Right. Um, you, who I want to see win this category, though, and Dan has already revealed my bias. Sandra I, I, Bullock. Sandra Bullock. <laughs> That's who I circled. <laughs> From the blind side to in the blind. Right. Uh, I, I actually think Judy Dench is tremendous in Philomena. Agreed. And she's heartbreaking and funny, and she just covers all these emotions, and she 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 has this range, and she has she has more skill in her pinky than mm. than these young bloods have in their entire body, and. <laughs> And I would lo- I would jump up and down for joy if she won. My question is this though: Who? How do you make money on these odds? I mean, if Kate Blanchett's it's twenty five, one to twenty five. Mm-hmm. You put twenty five dollars in to get one dollar for something that's it's just insane. It's almost like a better bet to put money on Amy Adams. Put, At least you have a shot to. That's yeah. why they do I'm it. Put they money do. on Amy Adams and Judy Dench. So if you're a gambling degenerate listening to this, that's that's where you put your money as, <laughs> as far as I'm concerned. I feel like this is the year where the older, you know, Judy Dench and Meryl Streep aren't gonna get any. They're just pushed aside. Because you almost take him for granted at this point, but yeah. if this was if you'd never heard of Meryl Streep before in your whole life and you saw that role in August, you'd God. be like, "Whoa, she's the favorite." But but yeah. the difference between those performances and Kate Blanchett and I guess Amy Adams too uh, is that there's no momentum behind those movies at all. Right. I mean, Philomena, it got the Best Picture nominee nomination, but it sort of eked its way in there. Um, Meryl Streep for August Osage County, I think it's just performances that got nominated for that film mm-hmm. maybe adapted screenplay maybe um so there's just no buzz like there is for american hustle now blue jasmine didn't get a whole lot of buzz and the interesting thing with kate blanchett mm-hmm. is these recent uh, rumors that have sprung back up over woody uh, woody allen's treatment of his of his young Step daughter right. right um sexually molesting her allegedly uh that might hurt her, you know, in a weird way. So I wouldn't be surprised if Amy Adams won. This. I think it could be the little the the uh, the final straw that, that allowed the, uh, the the upset here. Maybe. Yeah, I'm, maybe. I'm hoping anyway. But can but, I just, can yeah. I just ask you, since you have firsthand uh, experience, how was working on Philomena? What was your experience like with that production? Being in DC, it was it was awesome. It's uh, it, Stephen Frears was an absolute sweetheart, total gem. I never have any contact with the director or the creative crew at all. But on that movie, I met Stephen Frears once uh, near the end of the shooting, and he said, "Oh, hi, you're Adrian Spencer. I hear you're doing a really good job. Thank you very much." And he shook my hand. He doesn't know who I am, but somebody, you know, he he knew he had the sort of thoughtfulness and grace to sort of find out what my name was and tell me I was doing a good job because he knew that that would help the movie you know the making of the movie be a better experience for for me and consequently for other people so really smart guy really sweet guy and just watching Judy Dench work there was this we shot outside the Lincoln Memorial 
uh, all night, one night. He's it a was... tall man, even tall sitting down. <laughs> yeah, that was good. Well, it was, it was November. <laughs> you know, it was November. It's you know, forty degrees outside, and it's four a.m. And Judy Dench is on the sixteenth take of this scene. Uh, and she's an elderly woman and she her uh, eyesight is failing her and she's not got the best of health but she delivered i mean she you know did that performance take after take after take and it was beautiful every single time she was there's was never a moment on set when she wasn't gracious or wonderful um it was just a really it was actually it was a really affirming job to do actually it was a it was one of those jobs you get where you go okay this is a good business to be in everybody was awesome let's move it on to best actor this is a really interesting category to me we will start with the favorite matthew mcconaughey dallas buyers club at one to six leonardo dicaprio who has never won the oscar for best actor he comes in next in the favorites at five to one chiwetel ejiofor for 12 years a slave at 12 to one bruce dern in nebraska at 40 to one who for my money does very little to earn this nomination and Christian Bale in American Hustle at 100 to 1. That's pretty closely assured from Ladbroke's point of view that he is not going to win. Adrian, we'll start with you looking incredulous. What are your thoughts on this category? My first thought is I couldn't agree with you more about Bruce Dern. I don't know why he's in the best actor category. He's is it a, a supporting nomination? Act- <laughs> right. Yeah. Right. He's, it's a supporting role, too. It's not the lead of the movie. Will Forte's the lead of the movie. Bruce Dern is in fewer scenes and has less to do. He's a prop. He's a supporting actor. How would you feel if you were Will Forte? Yeah. I feel pissed if I'm Will Forte because I'm, I'm working my ass off in Nebraska and everybody's talking about this. Not only did you drive all the way across the road. <laughs> no, uh, this category is interesting to me. Matthew McConaughey does a really nice job in Dallas Buyers Club, and I guess it's the general consensus that this is his award to win. I, I feel terrible for Chewy Tall Edgy for. Me I too. think he does Same. amazing work in 12 Years a Slave, and sure he's does. totally getting robbed. Carries I don't know movie. why people aren't you know, up in arms and storming the, you know, capital like they are in the Ukraine. I mean, they should be. <laughs> Matthew McConaughey is a nice guy. I'm glad he's having a career year. Uh, he's awesome and true detective. He should win as many Emmys as an actor is allowed to win for a single performance of a single season of a show. Um, but I don't understand. He's not best Oscar, you know, best actor Oscar material as far as I'm concerned. DiCaprio, I would love to see if it's not Chewy Tology for it's got to be somebody else. I'd rather it be DiCaprio than McConaughey because DiCaprio's doing like next level physical comedy that's so, so hard to do. And McConaughey's just, yes, there's a physical transformation. Yes, he's got some, some heart wrenching moments, but it's nothing that you haven't seen done before and in a lot of cases better. Leonardo DiCaprio's doing stuff we haven't seen done that well since Buster Keaton. How do you like that for hyperbole? <laughs> the Quaaludes, man. Buster Keaton on Quaaludes. Yeah, I like I know, that. Good, right? The lemon Quaaludes scene <laughs> will go down in history. Jason, what are your thoughts on this? I am category? on the exact same page as you. My should win is hands down Chiwetel Ejiofor. He. It is the performance of the year. I mean, you think of a great heaving performance that the tr- the movie trailer cut of the year is, I will survive, I will not fall into despair. Like, Chiwetel Ejiofor slays it in this movie. It seems like it's leaning to, it, this is going to be the year where it's one of the people who haven't won in a while, and this is going to be like their, you know, the makeup kind of Oscar year. So it'll either be Matthew McConaughey, who's been going at it exactly 20 years since Days and Confused. Wow. Um, or Leo, who's been, you know, it took a while for people to warm up to him, but he's a legit actor. I mean, he's yeah. he's Scorsese's new De Niro of the of this, you know, in terms of the collaborator constantly. McConaughey, um, I think, will win. I think he's going to win. Um, but in a, a little bit like your Jared Leto conversation, where it's okay, it's it's Oscar bait. It's I'm you 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 
dress yourself up to look very ugly like Charlize Theron did, or you lose a lot of weight, or you gain a lot of weight, and mm-hmm. the, the physical transformation, everyone says, oh, wow, that's best actor. But he's great in the role. Um, nice guy. I can't wait to get him up there and hear him say, all right, all right, all right. <laughs> <laughs> Which he said he's going to do if he oh. wins. He oh, said, yeah? Yeah. yeah. So, so another he's Anne Hathaway moment there. Uh, no, he's totally likable, yeah. and it's great. But look, I'd eat saltine crackers and, and <laughs> run 10 miles a day for six months to make a million bucks and win yeah. an Oscar, too. <laughs> it's yeah. not... It's nowhere near what Chewy Tall does in 12 Years a Slave. And the one thing I would say about this category, though, is I think more than any other category this year, this is the one with the with the really galling snubs. I mean, Tom Hanks, Tom Hanks. Mm-hmm. You know, I, 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 I'm not a big fan of his performance in Captain Phillips. Not even the, of, the final scene's great. The final scene's yeah. great, but the rest he, he doesn't Barcon do anything Abbey, else yeah. to the rest of the movie. Yeah. He's just playing understated everyman, yeah. which is cool, whatever. But I, I agree, he's a snub. Robert Redford is definitely a snub. I think, and we'll get into this with Best Picture, Oscar Isaac from Inside Lewin Davis is yeah. totally a snub. How about Joaquin Phoenix I would, from her? That was my last I example. Was Joaquin Phoenix and her. He carries that movie. He's It's just his face for... Th- three quarters of that movie and if he fails in that role the entire movie sunk and now we arrive at the moment we've all been waiting for it's best picture David why don't you list them off with their odds 12 Years a Slave, 1 to 4. 1 to 4. You need to bet 4 to win 1, so it's the overwhelming <laughs> Sounds favorite Sounds like a here. great deal to me. I'm off to the bets. <laughs> Gravity, 9 to 2. Go on. Any thoughts to that? American Hustle, 14 to 1. Dallas Buyers Club, 33 to 1. The Wolf of Wall Street, 50 to 1. Philomena, 100 to 1. Nebraska, 150 to 1. Captain Phillips, 150 to 1. And her, 150 to 1. I think it's insane that Captain Phillips is even in this category, first of all. I thought it was a really good movie, good performances, but best picture, in my opinion, it ain't. Uh, Nebraska, also insane to have this in the category. The rest of them, I think, uh, have an argument. But let's just start off with Adrian. It's going to sound like I didn't take my meds today. You're going to tell about, you what. You're about to upset the apple yeah, cart. I'm about to upset the apple <laughs> cart. Should win is 12 Years a Slave. Not even a question. 50 years from now, we'll be looking at that movie and going, how on earth did that not win Best Picture? That's the most important movie of the first half of the 21st century. Easy. Will win. I actually think it's American Hustle. You think American Hustle is going to win Best Picture? Wow. I do, and here's why. Bold. The way that Oscar voting works for Best Picture is that it's a weighted ballot. So they count not just the first place votes that a film gets, but also the second place votes that Mm -hmm. that the film gets. And I think that 12 Years a Slave and Gravity are such the front runners that they're going to split off a lot of their votes. And that American Hustle, which we have short memories, but two months ago, this was the clear front runner for Best Picture. I think that's still got enough goodwill and a lot of positive momentum behind it that that's going to win. I don't know why I think that. I just think it's going to be one of those years where the director and the best picture are split, which has been the trend the last couple of years. And I think that's that's what's going to happen. I think Gravity is too cold and technical a piece of filmmaking for the Academy to really embrace as best film of the year. Jason, your thoughts? Uh, I think I agree with you on Gravity. I think um, while it was the movie theater experience of the year, you know, the movie going experience, um, plop down, you know, however many dollars to go see in 3D and IMAX. Um, I think I think people are going to check their gravity box by giving Koran director and then, you know, give best picture to something else. To me, 12 Years a Slave and American Hustle are kind of like 1A and, and 1B to me. I, I loved both of them. I think I like Hustle more than it sounds like you did. Oh, yeah. I think 12 Years a Slave has built up the buzz over the last the Oscars are a little later this year mm-hmm. in, like in March and I feel like 
uh, American Hustle had that huge push around the go- the Globes time and SAG and everything. Um, but that as as time has passed, I think Twelve Years has kind of risen the ranks. And I mean, we're really nitpicking now. To me, these are two phenomenal movies. Um, but I I my personal favorite. I loved American Hustle of the year, and I'll tell you why. How many times did you guys see it? Once? Yeah, twice? just once. Once was enough. Okay. <laughs> so. I could see how on first viewing, I can. it totally comes down to a taste thing, I think, because it, it seems like it could be style over substance, and I think you either buy into it and you love it, or you don't. To me, I was I was wrapped up into it. I viewed it almost like how Jennifer Lawrence describes her perfume. It's a lot of flowers with just a little bit of trashiness in it, but you know, there's a little garbage where it goes a little too far, like her doing Live and Let Die way too far. But some of the other moments with, you know, How Can You Mend a Broken Heart and Elton John, Goodbye Yellow Brick Road, I totally bought it. But I've seen it three or four times on repeat, David O. Russell is doing some cool stuff here. I, I beg you guys to give it another watch. Even in the first, like, kind of 15 minutes, there's some cool stuff. Your homework for tonight, <laughs> go back, listen to the, the song lyrics are kind of matching things that are happening on screen very interestingly to me. I watched American Hustle the day after I saw Wolf of Wall Street, and it was it was like what, looking at a forged painting of somebody just... <laughs> forging the work of a great master. And and the way I look at it is Goodfellas is Coke and Wolf of Wall Street is Diet Coke and American Hustle is like caffeine-free Diet Pepsi. It's just, it's trying to achieve the same thing and it's just nowhere near as good. It's just a copy of a copy of a copy. And I will rewatch it because I clearly missed a lot of the sort of subtleties of it. But for me, it just, it was like, just watching a film student you know has a project in a 60 million dollar budget and it's like go make goodfellas now and this was his like thesis well do you think it's any less valid to compare wolf of wall street to a cheap knockoff of goodfellas no i i do think it's a i don't think it's a cheap knockoff thought, but i think it's a knockoff i mean how I many times david o russell made the better scorsese movie of the year i mean in how a many weird way. how many times did i have to listen to leonardo dicaprio speaking to the screen and make it seem like henry hill i mean how many times do i have to the, hear that the, the, the and, and how many times do i have to listen to Leonardo DiCaprio pump up his bullpen full of sharks in that office in Wall Street. It got boring to me at a some at some oh, point. I loved it. Okay, <laughs> you did. <laughs> I watched because I want. I want, you know, that was great. <laughs> I thought McConaughey, McConaughey should have gotten nominated. McConaughey for that one was seat. awesome. Wolf of Wall Street. But you loved Wolf of Wall Street so much, and yet you did not go for Jonah Hill. You did not pick Leonardo DiCaprio. Nor did you pick Martin. Listen Scorsese. to the tape, my friend. I said if Chewy Tall doesn't win, I would definitely want Leonardo if DiCaprio. You didn't pick any of them well, as your should I'm win. I'm not saying d- four. Wolf of Wall Street's the greatest movie ever. I'm just saying it's definitely the best Scorsese movie of the year. I mean, (laughs) Monet gets Monet gets to make a shitty painting of lily pads. You know, he gets to do that. So if if Scorsese wants to make something that recalls some of his former glory in a way that's got a little bit less luster, then that's fine. (laughs) You call it retread, but you're crucifying Scorsese for the same thing O'Russell does more blatantly. I think. I mean, the reason I'm willing to give. Russell a pass and why I bought into American Hustle is two scenes. There's one where where the you know he goes and shows the forged painting and he call basically I think Russell calls himself on it. Not only calls us the movie American Hustle, but they go to see the painting and he says this thing looks so like the original. Um, who's the master, the painter or the forger? Um, so he's calling himself on it, and I also think he's calling himself because in the very opening, before we even see an image on screen, when it says 
um, you know, some of this actually happened audience gets a chuckle but what people need to look on second viewing in the background there's a little radio playing in the background it's not WTOP unfortunately but there's a little radio in the background that as it says some of this actually happened the radio says all news all the time so from the very start he's calling himself on the hustle I guess I could say and Wolf of Wall Street for all of its faults for all the places where it's not as good as we want it to be it still rounds out a spiritual trilogy that includes Goodfellas Casino and and Wolf of Wall Street and that's that's a really good 10 hour after afternoon of, of movie watching so yeah i don't think scorsese's lost it i think o'russell uh, overstepped his bounds with the with the forgery um <laughs> and, and in my in my opinion if if the question is who's the master the 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 painter or the forger i think it's it's the painter it's it's the it's the guy who originated it well gentlemen this has been a lot of fun Thank i you. very much appreciate your contributions to madcap Jason Fraley is the film critic for WTOP. You can find his tweets at WTOP. And Adrian Spencer is the host of Channel 2 Radio, which can be found by searching Channel 2 Radio on SoundCloud, and he tweets at Adrian underscore Spencer. Both Jason and Adrian will be live tweeting the Oscars, and so will David and I from the at MadcapDC account on Twitter. Madcap is produced by Dan Bloom. David Ross, and Afim Shapiro. Our intern is Marquise Goodwin. MadcapDC.org, on Facebook and Twitter, at MadcapDC. MadcapDC.